Today's a, a special Sunday, of course, for us. We've been announcing this for several weeks that Pastor Alex and Melissa Goncalves, who have been with us for just about three years, this is their final Sunday with us. They'll be leaving to go plant a church. You're going to hear all about it. Uh, and so I'm excited today for their future. Of course, it's sad to see them go. But I want us to do this, Grace Chapel. Uh, I believe that you give honor to whom honor is due. And listen, would you do this? Would you show your appreciation and your honor for Pastor Alex and Melissa as Pastor Alex comes? Come on, can we welcome him for the very last time as our executive pastor today? Thank you, and knock it off. Come on. Thank you. Sit down. Way out of my comfort zone. You do give honor to whom honors do. Um, so thank you, Pastor Brian. I remember our first Sunday here, Pastor Brian started a message, actually, the series on honors reward. So with that being said, it would be impossible for me to even begin to share with you without giving honor first and foremost to God. He is everything that, that we need. We can't do anything without him. Amen? Amen? It's not about a man, but it's about God. I want to honor Pastor Brian and Cynthia. Thank you so much for your faithfulness. Um, we've only been here for three years. It feels like we just got here. But you were doing this a lot longer than that. And um, you took a chance on a couple. You took a chance on a Bostonian from New York to come here. And, um, you know, and trust us we're precious things, um, your people, God's people, the people of this church, um, being able to come up here and, and rightfully divide the word of God to the congregation. Um, so thank you for your faithfulness. Can we honor them today? I also want to honor my wife because um, without me, there, without her, there is no me. You know what I was going to, you know what I was trying to say. You know, there's a lot of things that do happen, but it's because of our ministry, our first important ministry, and that's the home. Amen? And um, Melissa has just been a tremendous anchor in our home. And from the 21 days of fasting and prayer every single night, um, and just the different things that we do throughout the year, it would be impossible for for us to do it effectively without her dedication and sacrifice as well, um, raising a four-year-old daughter, and also finishing, she's getting ready to finish her final class of her master's degree that she has worked so hard at, and to have a front row seat in that has just been a tremendous blessing, inspiration to me. So for me to even stand up here today and be here, I couldn't do it without Pastor Brian and Cynthia's support, without my wife's support, and also all of you guys. You know, I show up here on a Sunday, but it's really, it's your example and your faithfulness and your dedication to the Lord, your love for the Lord to be able to worship and, and just experience your worship to the Lord. Amen. That has inspired me and has kept me going even in days when I don't feel like going, come on. So I want to thank you all for that as well. I remember our very first service here. We were sitting actually right over there, right in front of Sylvia. 
And Sylvia greeted us the way she normally does, the way she normally does and says, who are you? We're on a scouting mission to check out this place called Grace Chapel and kind of continue to take a step-by-step experience of what we felt like God was leading us to do. I says, well, my name's Alex, and this is my wife, Melissa. Who are you? She says, well, I'm Sylvia. And uh, I said, yeah, we're just checking out today and just visiting. She goes, well, I'm going to pray that God will send you to this church, she said. And come to find out, I didn't know that she was Cynthia's mom. I didn't. I said, oh, okay, so they set us up. That's what they did. They set us up. But come to find out, she knew nothing. And that was our first introduction to Grace Chapel. So be careful that you sit right there. You're in trouble, brother. You're right here. You're in trouble, so just be careful. No. But that was, um, but that was great. And I remember going back to New York and wrestling with the idea of leaving New York to come here to Florida. Listen, we weren't running from a situation in New York one bit. We were part of a very strong church, very strong leadership. We were growing. Melissa and I, we were a part of their pastoral team. Um, Great people. It was thriving. It was growing month to month. But I remember as the Lord was continuing to work in my heart, I remember sitting It was kind of like this. They had an altar just like this. And I remember sitting there one day in an empty sanctuary. And just like here, over there, everyone sat in the same seat every Sunday. Right? Where you're sitting right now, there's a 99% chance you sit in that same seat every week. But as I was sitting there, and and I'm kind of wrestling with the Lord, going back and forth and saying, God, I don't want to go. I I don't want to leave this church. I don't want to leave these people because those seats weren't seats. They, they were people. They were, they were lives. They were stories. There was Joe Toscano, a great New York name, right? Joe Toscano, he sat right over here, and he was, he was battling cancer, and he, was, he had victory over cancer the way he led by example. There was Stephen Marisol. They sat over there. You know, Jason and Irene sat over here. And it was like, I don't want to leave these people, God. And then he whispered into my heart and he said, there's another group of people in Palm Beach County that are waiting. And after I finished going back and forth with God, kind of a lot like Moses did, I got to the point and I said, okay, because you say so, we're going to go. Because you say so. And the title of my message today is, because you say so. Can we pray? Father, we love you and we thank you. We come to you this morning, God, in the precious name of Jesus. We're not here to celebrate a a man or a couple. We're here to celebrate you. We're here to put you on the spotlight because you are worthy of it. Holy Spirit, we just surrender this entire service to you and, and this message that, that I've prepared. I pray that you would give me supernatural recall of the things that I've studied, the things that I have not studied. I, I pray, God, that you would help me to speak that you desire to speak. We give you the praise, honor, and glory in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So the 
title is Because You Say So, and we're going to look at a story in the book of Luke chapter 5. So if you have your Bibles or your devices, go ahead and start preparing and go, go to Luke chapter 5, starting in verse 1. If you're new to the Bible or if you don't have your Bible with you and you have your phone, I encourage you, there's a great app um, called Version. You can go ahead and download that app and you can have the Word of God at your fingertips anytime. So go ahead and do that. Also, we're going to put some scriptures up on the screen. But in Luke chapter 5, verse 1, it's the story of Jesus telling the disciples to drop their nets. It's a familiar story if you're familiar with the Bible. If you graduated VBS, if you graduated um, Kids Church, you're familiar with this story. But I believe that today God's going to show us some things that's going to impact our life. So let's go ahead and look. I'm going to read it. Luke chapter 5, verse 1. It says this. One day as Jesus was standing by the lake of Gisenaret with the people crowding around him and listening to the word of God, he saw at the water's edge two boats left there by the fishermen who were washing their nets. He got into one of the boats, the one belonging to Simon, and asked him to put out a little from shore. Then he sat down and taught the people from the boat. When he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, put out into deep water and let down the nets for a catch. Simon answered, Master, we've worked hard all night, haven't caught anything, but because you say so, I will let down the nets. When they had done so, they caught such a large number of fish that their nets began to break. So they signaled their partners in the other boat to come and help them, and they came and filled both boats so full that they began to sink. They began to sink. So here's Jesus. He's in the boat. He just finished speaking to the crowds. And Simon, who wasn't yet a disciple, but how many of you know after this incident, it it wouldn't be too hard to be a full committed disciple of Jesus. So that kind of changes after this story. But he knew of Jesus. He's spoken to Jesus. He's heard his teachings. In fact, his family benefited from Jesus' ministry and the miracles. So when Jesus told this fisherman to go back out, go into the deep water, lay down your nets, how many of you know because of what Simon um, knew of Jesus, he took what Jesus said serious? So he went out there and he he didn't ask any questions. But I would imagine at that point, being tired, being exhausted, I would imagine that Simon, here he is, this this experienced fisherman. He has his fleet. He has his, his team. They know the lake. They know how to catch fish. They know their nets. They did everything that they knew to do based on their knowledge and their experience. They did everything that they were supposed to do. And they didn't catch anything. And then here comes a carpenter telling them how to fish. I would imagine that says, okay, listen, leave the fishing to me. Go, go build a stool or a table. And if I, need, if I need a new wheel for my boat, I'll come and see you. But listen, you don't understand this whole fishing thing. So just leave it up to us. And, and I think sometimes in our life, we can kind of be like that with God when He would tell us and lead us to do something, and we're just like, God, you just don't understand. I know what you're trying to tell me. I know that's even the right thing to do. I know that's what your word says. You want me to forgive that person. It's in the Bible, but you don't understand. You don't understand how I feel. You don't understand how they hurt me. What, God, you want me to start that business? Well, you don't understand how much money I have already lost. 
And, and it's so easy to come up with these excuses, but here's Peter. Now he's Simon, right? Here's Peter. Instead, he didn't give him excuses or he didn't say that. What did he do? He obeyed. He obeyed. And I just want to share three things that happens when we obey God. The first thing that happens when we obey God, we position ourselves for the extraordinary. When we say yes to God, when we obey his word, when we obey what he's leading us to do in our life, we position ourselves to experience the extraordinary. Perhaps our greatest obstacle in seeing the extraordinary power of God in our life is our own apathy, our own lack of interest or concern. Hey, honey, should we go to church today? Oh, I don't know. Is it raining? I don't, uh, oh, it, it rained all week. Honey, today's the first sunny day. I have to go to work tomorrow. Can't we just go to church next week? Oh, I'm tired. Do, do we really have to do devotions? You know how hard I worked all week? And come on, can't, can't, we, just, can't we just throw on right now media and like, let's just get it over with? And I think that we don't put ourselves to experience the extraordinary because we live in a society that we can do whatever we want, whenever we want. We can go into a coffee shop, get our drink tailor-made, they'll write our name on it and call us when it's ready. We can do anything we want and we do it based on how we feel rather than what we should be doing. Amen? It's going to get better for those that didn't say amen. Hang in with me. Because look what it says in verse 4. Jesus is telling them, put out into the deep water. And, 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 and Peter didn't say, we'll do it because we feel like it. We'll do it because it makes sense. We'll do it because it's time. He says, no, because you say so, we will do it. And moving into deep waters, it requires a full commitment. It means, imagine being in a boat. It means that we have to pick up our anchor. It means that we have to lift up our sails and allow the winds to direct us. It means that we need to get our directions and our instructions and our order from God. Not from what we feel, but for what God is telling us to do. How many of you know that his ways are not our ways? How many of you know that, that he can do things far greater than we can ever plan? Come on now. And what happens is we, we stay at the shore. We stay in the murky waters of Christianity. We worry about our four and no more. We focus on our experiences and, and, and we forget the very purpose of what ministry is all about. And it's to preach the gospel. How many of you know you don't have to be up here on a microphone to preach the gospel? Let me tell you this story. I was, my wife and I, as you know, we're getting ready to move to Vieira, Florida. We're looking at different homes. This week we went house, ho- uh, house hopping. Felt like house hopping. House shopping. Home shopping whatever they call it on HGTV. So we went to this home. We really liked it. We're talking to our realtor, this and that. Um, we go to see some other homes. We're driving around the neighborhood. Melissa says, honey, can, can we go back and see that first home? I said, we can go drive by it. We can't go into it, but let's go drive by it. Let's stretch our hands. Let's do all that. Let's go drive by. Yes, let's go. So we go, and after we did that, we're driving through the neighborhood, and then all of a sudden, a couple houses down, I see this 
elderly woman. In one hand, she has a walker. In another hand, she has a garbage container. And she's trying to make her way up the driveway. And I kind of hit the brakes. She's like, what's wrong? I said, look, that lady needs help. She goes, well, then go help her. I said, okay. So I get out of the car, and she doesn't know me, and I don't want to present a threat to her. But I'm on the street. I said, excuse me, can, can I help you? She goes, oh, yes, please. That would be wonderful. I said, okay. So I go in, and, and I'm helping her. She said, please put it right there, and I'm putting it there. And, and I said, thank you for letting me help you. She said, thank you for helping me. I said, my name's Alex. Um, she introduces me to her. She's like, I'm Esther, and, and my husband is Robert. I said, yeah, we're just driving by because we might be moving into that house down the street. We're moving up from Palm Beach County, and we're going to plant a church. She goes, oh, well, we don't go to church. I mean, we're not atheists or anything. I mean, we pray once in a while. That's a good start. I'll take the atheist too, though. She says, but we just haven't found a church that we can really belong to. I said, Esther, whether we move into that house or not, you better believe I'm coming back and I'm going to knock on your door and I'm going to give you an invitation. And at this point, I knew it was of God because she told me her husband was from Rhode Island and he's a Red Sox fan. And I had a Red Sox shirt on and it was awesome. And then she says this. When I'm getting ready to leave, she goes, I'll be praying that you get that house. And guess what? We got the house. In fact, we came in and we put an offer. Another offer came in at the same time. That offer was offering more money than our offer, but they still chose us. We've been praying that, God, you'll open doors that no man can close, and you'll close doors that no man can open. So when I tell that story to people and, they, and I say, this is what happened, they look at me like, like that, just like I did that. But you know what's so great about that story? There's several things. The only explanation I can give them is God did it. That's it. There's no other explanation other than that, right? And then I get to go back to Esther and say, Esther, God answered our prayers. We got the house. And that, that's awesome, right? And she's from Jersey. I knew I heard Boston. I heard some grumbling, so I had to make sure to throw some Jersey in there. I know we're in church, but can we pretend that we're not for just one second? I'm going to be a little extra real with you. I remember waking up one day thinking, what in the world are we even thinking? I don't want to go plant a church. We're comfortable. We're here in a nice home in a beautiful neighborhood. We're in a great church with great people, right? I know I'm going to get paid on the first every month. It's awesome. It's comfortable. So why do I want to go this, do this church planting thing that I don't even have the first clue of how to do? And why Vieira? Who even knows where Vieira is? I tell people Vieira, they're like, yeah, I know where Vero is. No, no, not Vero, Vieira. I know I'm saying the A. And then God whispers into my heart and he says this, son, Jesus is coming back and Vieira is not ready. That's the last thing I needed to hear. 
Jesus is returning and Vieira is not ready. It's not about Vieira. It's about the 29% divorce rate. That's average to the Florida average of divorces. In Hope Church, not Alex, not Melissa, not Ariana, Hope Church and God is going to help bring that divorce rate down in Jesus' name. That's just one of the reasons why we're going. Because he says so. The second thing is when we obey God, we grow in our faith. How many of you know I need to hear a story about getting a house that I underbid another offer and then God still gives it to us? Will that build your faith? Hearing from God saying, why am I going to go? And then you hear. It's not that I heard the audible voice of God. Sometimes I do, but this time I didn't. It was the impression in my heart. And then he shares something with me that people, they need him. Will that not build your faith? The story goes on and on. We listed our house here in, in West Palm on a Saturday. People saw it on a Tuesday. They gave us an offer on a Thursday. We signed contracts on a Friday. I wasn't ready for that. I wanted three weeks, not six days. Six days is too fast for me. Beyond my comfort zone. But that will build your faith. And these are things that only God can do. See, because Peter was filled with doubt. He spent the whole night trying to catch fish, doing everything he knew to do. But how, ha, 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 we're not at the Moses part yet, but I'm stuttering. But in verse 5, Peter's response was, we've worked hard all night and haven't caught anything. Why is it when God is trying to get us to do something, we always respond with an excuse? Why is it when God's trying to nudge us, get us to do something, we have all these reasons why, just like, like Moses did, he is a great leader. He was a great leader of the Hebrews. God used him to deliver the Israelites from Egypt to the promised land. How many of you know that God could have used anybody? He didn't need Moses to deliver the Israelites, but he used Moses to deliver the Israelites. So here's God appearing to Moses at a burning bush, and we're not going to turn there. I'm just going to share the story from Exodus chapter 3. The Lord said this, I have observed the misery of my people in Egypt. I have come down to rescue them. Then here comes the surprise. Therefore, go, he says to Moses. I am sending you so that you may lead my people out of Egypt. See, God has a plan to deliver his people and to rescue his people. And the plan was Moses. The question is, how would Moses respond? He started giving him excuses. The first excuse was, I can't do that. I can't do that, God. He says, who am I? He felt inadequate. He should have felt inadequate. We should feel inadequate when God tells us to do something. Because without him, we can't do it. We need him. We need to depend on him. Because he's the one that does it through us. Amen? So when you feel inadequate, that's not a good enough excuse. God replied to Moses. He said, I will be with you. The deliverance of the people didn't depend on the ability of Moses. See, when God selects people to serve his purposes, he always provides his resources. Always. The next excuse was, I don't have enough information. Don't we say that sometimes? We're we're not obedient to what what God's leading us to do because we don't have enough information. Obeying God. You hear something? Obeying God will require you to be okay with not knowing all the answers. 
Can I say that again? Obeying God will be, no, obeying God will require you to be okay with not knowing all the answers. Israelites were going to ask him, well, who's, who sent you? I don't know, some voice from a burning bush. No, no, you say, I, I sent you. Another, another excuse is, well, I'm not good enough, right? He says, please, Lord, I, I've never been eloquent. I, 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 I'm a stutterer. I, I, I can't get in front of people. And then God responds to him. Again, excuse, promise, provision. Excuse, promise, provision. Excuse, promise, provision. It is not I who place mouths on humans, who makes a person mute or deaf, seeing or blind. Is it not I, the Lord? He says, now go. I will help speak. I will help you speak and I will teach you what to say. So I think, you know, we always have these excuses when God's leading us to do something. But I think one of the reasons why we don't do what God tells us to do, and, you know, for us, it's going out and planting a church. For some of us, it could be something simple like forgiving someone, just offering forgiveness, or giving, or serving, or helping an old lady with her container, or handing out an Easter invite. I think the real reason why we don't do things is because we're not willing to do things. Because, again, here's God and Moses going back and forth. Every excuse had an answer. But then Moses finally says this, and he says, Lord, just send someone else. Okay, I've given you all these excuses why I can't do it, and you've given me all these really good reasons why I can do it. You know what? Just send somebody else. The truth is we're just not willing to obey. When we, when we, when we get real, are we really willing to obey God? Whatever the excuse is, it boils down to the unwillingness to believe God. And God has a plan to rescue people. And guess what? You're that plan. You are that plan in that business that God has given you, in that workplace, in that school that God has placed you in, in that neighborhood that God has placed you in, the people that you run into at the grocery store. You are God's rescue missionaries. Huh? No excuses. The last thing is this. When we obey God, we experience God-sized results. We experience God-sized results. Let's go back to the Sea of Galilee, right? And we see this in verse 6. After they obeyed, what happened? When they had done so, they caught such a large number of fish that their nets began to break. When I read that story, it tells me that they were not prepared for the level of blessings that God was wanting to do in their life. They had the nets and they had the boats. They had a level of expectation, but it still wasn't big enough for God, what he wanted to do. And it got to the point where they were calling other people in and they were experiencing a God-sized results. It reminds me of what it says in Malachi chapter 3, verse 10, where God says to test me, test me as you bring your tithes to the storehouse and I will not pour out a blessing so big that you can't contain so when you obey God, you will experience God-sized results. Jesus was showing them that there is nothing that is impossible, but all things are possible, and we have to come to that place. We have to come to that place of surrender, even in the midst of doubt and fear and worry. We need to come to that place, church, where we say, because you say so, I will do so. 
regardless of what the night before looked like in your life, regardless of what your weeks have looked like, your months have looked like, or even your years have looked like, obeying God will always produce a harvest. When you obey God, you will always produce a harvest. We need to let go of our plans, our desires, our intentions. Today, not tomorrow. Don't think about it. Don't review your notes. Don't share the podcast and and kind of figure. No, no. Today, we have to come to that place of resolve. That because he says so, that we will do so. Because the word says so, that we will do so. Unless you just want to stay in that murky water. So I encourage you today to launch out into the deep. Let your faith take you to places that you never thought were even possible. So that you can experience God-sized results that brings Him glory and that shares His gospel.